Damn it, how long have we been doing this show? Hey everybody, it's the Wrestling Life, the first and only wrestling podcast. This is episode 238.5, and I'm Liam, and I am flying solo this week, folks. Ethan is working a lot, a lot of late hours this week over at TheWrestlingObserver.com. What with the return of New Japan Pro Wrestling, as well as his regular AEW-related coverage, all the other work he does for the site. So, he is taking a... uh, He's probably taking a nap right now, honestly, as I'm recording this, and I'm sure it's (laughs) well-earned. However, the wrestling world did not get the memo that we sent out asking for a quiet week. And so, since Ethan isn't available, I figured, what the heck... I'll just throw up a little abbreviated solo show here, talk about all the wacky, crazy news going on in the world of wrestling. And unfortunately, before we get to talking about Backlash or New Japan or Bruce Prichard and Paul Heyman or any of that fun stuff, we gotta start with some bad and, quite frankly, infuriating news. Triple H... Uh, or old Papa Paul, as I like to call him, on June the 4th, had a little conference call with the media, as he does for his NXT TakeOver shows. And on that call, after questioning the accuracy of COVID testing previously, he said the following. Our medical protocols are extensive, and most importantly, they've worked. Paul also mentioned in a previous conference call that they were using some sort of cleaning solution bought from a company called Allied Bioscience that was supposed to adhere to services for 90 days and prevent, uh, I guess, prevent the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus from uh, festering on any services. So it's all good, right? WWE's, they're doing temperature checks. Everything's good. Well... If by some miracle you haven't heard yet and you're listening to this podcast, we got some bad news. And that is that a developmental talent, quote unquote, who was last at the WWE Performance Center on June the 9th has in fact tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the fact that this news is not exactly surprising uh, or that other wrestling or sports leagues have acted similarly is, uh, to me, is not a great excuse for WWE. It doesn't let WWE off the hook here. Uh, Now, look, obviously, I think most people understand uh, who follow wrestling that TV deals are how they make all their money. So the idea that WWE was ever going to shut down completely is, uh, it seems very unlikely that that was ever going to happen. And, okay, that's fine. As long as those profits, those record profits that they are constantly searching for, as long as they are uh, tied to those TV deals, I I understand that there's going to need to be WWE-produced television in some way. And you can also look at other companies like AEW or UFC that are also running shows uh, weekly right now. Are, Are they also a little scummy? Yeah. Um, however, 
uh, I believe that they both at least claim to be uh, doing actual COVID-19 testing, not just temperature checks, um, quite frequently and before they let anyone into the building. Now, could they also be doing more than that? Could they be sending their elderly talent like JR and Arn Anderson and Jake Roberts? Could they be keeping them at home? Could they be uh, having the quote-unquote audience members sit further apart and requiring them all to wear masks at all times? Yeah, absolutely. Hell yes, they could be doing that. They could definitely be doing a better job than they're doing. However... WWE was not even doing that, not even doing the bare minimum. In fact, they were apparently don't want people wearing masks on TV. Um, a policy that may or may not also adhere to these uh, these new fans that they're allowing into buildings, which, according to WWE, are simply friends and family of talent and uh, and performers, I suppose. Um. Either way, nobody's wearing masks, but WWE has an answer for that, you see. And their answer is, well, we have that plexiglass up that's separating the audience from the wrestlers. And everyone in the audience is adhering to social distancing, six feet apart. So we're good, right? Yeah, unless, of course, you watched Raw last night and you watched the Street Profits uh, run into the crowd and dance with and you know, shake people's hands and bump fists and dap people up uh, during their entrance. Or if you watch the very first show WWE did where they had an audience, uh, where they had the NXT people standing in the crowd come out from behind the plexiglass and run into the ring to break up a brawl. So, um, hard to say. <laughs> How could this have all gone wrong, right? Well, there's also another little note that was thrown out by uh, Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful, which is that there have been people who have gotten these temperature checks and their temperatures were higher than normal, and yet they were allowed to still go inside the building, go inside the performance center, which, uh, which suggests to me that WWE, uh, this is like an all-time WWE not taking something seriously that they should be taking seriously thing. Um, this doesn't really even just feel like your normal, average, everyday pro wrestling scummy. This feels like something a little bit beyond that. And like a lot of the WWE scandals in particular over the last few years, it really feels like they went above and beyond to kind of just not give a crap about their talent. And again, I understand they were never going to completely forego tapings, but they could have done a lot more. Um, well, WWE did respond to this positive test by canceling their TV tapings for one day. They're testing all the talent, all the crew, anybody that's gone in and out of that performance center, I guess, since June 9th, um, which I guess is better late than never. <laughs> it's just a frustrating story of incompetence and... Also, even if there was a world where WWE was doing everything they could, where they were having people wear masks, where they were keeping everybody apart and all that, um, do we really need to be trotting out 71-year-old Ric Flair, who nearly died a couple of years ago and has been in poor health ever since? Do we need to trot him out on television? we need to bring him into that building right now, right this second, in this time period? <sighs> 
to do a weird heel turn? I don't think we do. So, suffice to say, WWE continues to show a complete and utter lack of caring when it comes to the safety of their talent. And it feels like if this were any, like, real sport or, a, or like, the set of a, an actual TV show, this would be, like, a major scandal. But because it's WWE, it may or may not get picked up by by national media. It's, it's kind of a crapshoot, it seems, uh... What doesn't doesn't get uh, picked up by the national media when it comes to pro wrestling. I mean, other than a John Oliver story, uh, them doing propaganda for Saudi Arabia didn't really get picked up. Uh, them firing a bunch of people during a pandemic uh, while they're on their way to record-breaking profits didn't really get picked up by anyone outside of the wrestling media. So, yeah, I, I guess... It uh, it's that's kind of where I'm gonna leave it. I don't have a lot else to say beyond that. It's just mind-numbing incompetence and/or lack of care shown. So I guess that's your choice. They're either stupid or they're greedy and they just don't care. And either one of them is not necessarily a great look. And it's funny, someone actually brought this up on Twitter. I believe it was the Undisputed Future podcast. Uh, they brought it up. Um, WWE is selling WWE shop branded masks on their website. Um, cause people have pointed out how funny it is. And I, one of them that pointed out how funny it is that they're making all of the people in the performance center wear like WWE shop merchandise. And so they could have just, uh, you know, everybody's in like a, a wrestling, uh, WWE t-shirt. So they could have very easily just put them in these WWE branded masks and then, you get to have your good PR of, hey, we're having everybody wear masks and stand six feet apart. And you can also hawk your merchandise, just like you're doing with the t-shirts, right? Makes sense to me, but uh, apparently they didn't think of it. Or uh, perhaps if the reports are true, uh, Vince McMahon or Kevin Dunn, just they just don't like the look of people in masks in the crowd. It, do it doesn't work for them. So, yeah. Like I said, you you have your choice when it comes to this story. It's either a complete lack of care or a complete lack of competence, and uh, neither of those looks very good for them. All right, moving on. Let's talk about some actual pro wrestling news real quick before uh, before I wrap it up. Like I said, this is kind of a mini episode, hence the .5 title. Um... I haven't gotten to see any of the New Japan shows since they've started back up this week. Obviously, like I said, Ethan is uh, covering those for WrestlingObserver.com. Make sure you check out his reports there. Um, I will try to watch them this weekend. That is, if I can uh, pull myself away from The Last of Us Part Two, which also comes out this Friday. Very excited. Um, and obviously, Ethan will be back on our next full episode, and he'll be able to give us his thoughts on uh, on their first couple shows, which I believe are all empty arena shows. So he'll be able to give us his thoughts then, and uh, hopefully I will have seen some of it by then as well. Now, for the non-COVID WWE news, as... Uh, you know, it's funny. It used to be kind of a regular tradition for us um, where we would record a show, and then about 12 hours later some sort of giant breaking news would happen and it would kind of make our whole show outdated. And that still happens occasionally, uh, as it did this week, which is uh, less than a day after our show went up last week, episode 238. We, um, 
we uh, got some news. And that news was that Paul Heyman has stepped down or been fired, depending on who you ask, as the head of creative for Monday Night Raw. And uh, Bruce Pritchard is replacing him. Bruce already being the guy in charge of SmackDown, is now also in charge of Raw. Now, obviously, no matter who is running these shows, all of their ideas have to go through Vince McMahon, so it's unclear so far as to how different Raw is going to be without Heyman there. I think Heyman's time there was kind of a mixed bag. He did try to push some new people uh, with some mixed results. Uh, You know, people like Ricochet, Cedric Alexander... Uh, Liv Morgan, none of them really worked out too well, or haven't yet, at least. I think there's still hope for Liv, based on her looking the way she does, and I think she's talented. Uh, I don't want to say it's all just because of her looks. Um, And there's also a few standouts, like Aleister Black, who did actually kind of break through and has has been sort of a featured, protected character on, uh, on Raw. So, uh, yeah, he's he's tried his best to introduce some new talent. There's also been... Well, you remember last last fall when he kind of took over? A lot of cucking angles with him and a lot of weird stuff and kind of that... A very, like, 2004 WWE style, which I guess makes sense because that's the last time Paul was the head writer of, uh, of a WWE show. Um, I guess not counting the ECW debacle. But, uh, I mean, I guess I guess his, his stepping down or his being removed from the writing team went better than it did last time uh, in 2006 when he was fired after the dismember to, December to Dismember debacle. Easy, easy for me to say. Um, he's still with the company, and WWE says he's going to be focusing on his, uh, his on-camera work. And uh, considering Brock hasn't been seen since WrestleMania, I don't quite know what it is he's focusing on, but hey. Good, uh, good for him. Um, now, as to Bruce taking over, well, SmackDown, as we've talked about countless times, is a very, very uninspired show most weeks. So him taking over Raw doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. Uh, guess we'll file it under we'll see, as we like to say on this show. Uh, we have a couple of shows to go by so far as to what the Bruce Pritchard era will look like. Um, Backlash on Sunday was a mixed bag, I would say. I enjoyed the greatest match ever between Edge and Randy Orton, um, although I think the wacky camera angles and pumped-in crowd noise kind of distracted from it, um, because they were having, it seemed like they were having a heck of a match. Um, there was bad news coming out of that as well, though, unfortunately, because Edge, in fact, tore his triceps and will be out four to eight months with that injury. Um, it, was, it was like it was a whatever, however, whatever tricks they used. It was a really fun and interesting match. Like I said, I could have used without the extra accoutrements, but um uh, the sad part about Edge being injured is uh, here, though, is and that I guess is the potential drawbacks of doing these reshoots and edits and adding in extra footage after the fact. Is uh, Edge was apparently actually injured uh, during a reshoot, according to Dave Meltzer. So that really sucks. Um, far as the rest of the show goes, uh, I loved, I loved the bodacious Bob Lashley versus Drew McIntyre match. Uh, Even though it had kind of a crappy finish, that was a lot of fun. It was, as uh, as Big E recently put it on the New Day's podcast, two big, meaty men bumping meat. 
<laughs> it was sloppy, but it was intense. Two big dudes just hitting each other hard and throwing each other around, and I loved it. It's just it's a completely different type of matched, completely different type of WWE main event than, quite frankly, we're used to seeing anymore. So it really stood out as something special. The worst part of the show, of the Backlash show, was this Viking Raiders and Street Profits thing. It was bad, it went too long, it wasn't funny, and it also managed to be pretty racist, what with Akira Tozawa suddenly becoming an evil ninja. So, yeah, it was it was awful. And uh, the more these psych cinematic matches exist, uh, the worse they seem to be getting. At least in WWE, anyway. Um, I will say, another thing, uh, actually, before Backlash, there was a great match on Friday night. Uh, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles had one of the... I would say the best matches of this quote-unquote no-fans era, I guess you would call it, uh, in any company. Uh, it was the best AJ Styles has looked in the ring to me in, like, years. Um, at least since that Seth match last year. Um, probably longer, though. Uh, this was, like, it was not, like, peak TNA AJ Styles, but it was... Like, this was the closest to, like, that New Japan version of AJ Styles I've seen in a long time. And it was, quite frankly, I think the closest to a New Japan wrestling match that you're likely to see in WWE. Just two great professional wrestlers. And, like I said, I think AJ really turned it on in a way I haven't seen him do in a while. And Daniel Bryan is Daniel Bryan. Um, I actually threw up a little poll on Twitter this week. And I asked you, the, uh, the faithful listener, what your favorite match of those three I just talked about were. And uh, as of the time of recording, uh, AJ versus Daniel Bryan and Edge versus Orton are kind of uh, in a in a virtual tie. So uh, maybe I'll I'll try to read the the final results next week. But uh, yeah, uh, lots of good wrestling this weekend from WWE. So if nothing else, amidst all the bad, if you're looking for your silver lining, there's uh, there's three. Uh, well, I guess you could say two wrestling matches and one. Uh, cinematic uh, event or I don't know I don't know what you want to call that Edge Orton thing because it was much closer to a professional wrestling match than say the Boneyard match or the Bray Wyatt stuff but it also obviously had edits and reshoots and and stuff like that so I don't really know what you call that um but it was enjoyable and entertaining and that's that's really all I ask for so there's three good things you can check out from uh, from the world of WWE this week if uh, if you're looking for that if you haven't gotten around to seeing those shows yet and uh, finally there's raw like we said the the first raw of this Bruce Pritchard era um, they packed a lot into it some of it was good some of it was just okay some of it was bad they did about three weeks worth of angles with Bob Lashley. Uh, they did his breakup with Angle. Uh, they did his breakup Angle with Lana. And then they did uh, a championship rematch with Drew McIntyre. However, they did it in a very TNA-ish way, uh, or WCW perhaps, um, which is he got it in a comedy tag match with uh, R-Truth and MVP. And then, yeah, the other thing is this bizarre kind of show-long storyline they did where... Christian comes out to defend Edge's honor as Randy Orton is gloating about beating him at Backlash. Uh, Orton challenges Christian to a match. We kind of have this, uh, you know, about an hour, an hour and a half of will Christian accept the match? He finally comes out and accepts it. A couple people give him pep talks or try to talk him out of it, uh, including Ric Flair, who comes down to the ring to 
make one last plea for him to not go through with the match. But then, as mentioned, Ric Flair turned heel and low-blowed Christian. And then Randy Orton did a punt. They basically did a no-contact wrestling match, uh, consisting of, yeah, the, the low-blow from Rick and the and the punt from Randy Orton. Uh, and then Orton pinned him, and that was the end of the show. I don't quite know where you go with that right now. Um, if it's leading to the Edge return, you would think they would hold off a little bit to do this angle if, if Edge is, in fact, going to be out for four to four to eight months. Um, or if it was to set up a Christian in ring, an actual Christian in ring return, I don't know. It also feels like a weird way to go about it. Um, and then there's also this weird thing where even if it's to set up Ric Flair returning to television as a heel manager, I guess for Randy Orton or his own daughter or whatever, that's also very bizarre. Um, yeah. So I guess that's it. It's a, Raw was a bizarre ending to the bizarre show uh, in what is shaping up to be a very bizarre week. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this week, folks. Thank you for listening, and please do subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. And until next time, I'm Liam, and we'll be back soon with Ethan, a full episode, and in fact, more stories from the wrestling life. Do I need to be also be the one to say goodbye because there's no one else here this week? Alright, goodbye. Try to keep on keeping on.